This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight. With insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hello, friends, and welcome to the CMO Spotlight. I'm Catherine Hayes, and I'm joined today, as always, with my co-host, Jenny Rooney. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Catherine. We are always thrilled to have Jenny's network of CMOs. She is the editor of the CMO Network at Forbes, and I'm the co-author of Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touchpoints. So we love to look at the world of marketing through the chief marketing officer eyes. And today we have with us two wonderful CMOs who uh, who come to us from Jenny's Jenny's wonderful network. First is Kathy Collins. She's the chief marketing officer for Massage Envy. She's been on that job for a year. We'll so we'll hear about her journey uh, in her new role there. And then Jeff Weiser, he's the chief marketing officer of Shopify, the Ottawa-based organization that's essentially fueling e-commerce. So we'll hear from both of them. But for starters, we will jump in with Kathy Collins. Kathy, welcome so much. Come to the show. Thank you so much. We're pleased to have you. So, hey, Kathy. Hi, Jenny. We wanted to sort of start, if we could, with a little bit about your journey. You've been a CMO, you're a seasoned CMO, um, and you bring to this new, relatively new role uh, a lot of great experience. So walk us through your journey to get here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have worked on a number of kind of authentic, iconic American brands, if you will. I started uh, my CMO journey at Lee Jeans, uh, which is a VF company, and I worked on uh, some great Ad campaigns there, probably one that I am the most proud of is is the Buddy Lee campaign that we launched in the late 90s, which was a... I remember that so well, Kathy. That's a blast from the past. It's a great campaign. And and what was so wonderful about it is it truly had a lasting impact on the business. And we saw results. We saw our men's business take off. And so it was really everything you hope a campaign can be. Um, and something else that I did there that I was most proud of is a launching a cause marketing program called Lee National Denim Day, which mm-hmm. turned into, after a number of years, it turned into the largest single-day fundraiser for breast cancer in the world. Um, wow. And that we, we introduced that at a time where people were not yet wearing jeans to work. So it had this really unique twist, and people loved it and, and got um, really engaged with it. So uh, that was that was my you know first kind of entree into the CMO world. I such, then a, went such to, a big impact. I mean, that was oh, you yeah. know, you know, I I remember that so well, and and it will be interesting to to hear you as you continue how you know yeah. you built on that since then. So, but but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, it was such a great way to really start my career, um, and it was such a great brand. Like I said, this very iconic brand um, that in some ways needed some reinvention. Um, and we were able to do that in a number of ways. And then I went to H&R Block, uh, another great um, big American retail financial services brand. Um, and that was a bit of the same in terms of it was a brand that had been around for a long time, um, a Midwestern brand with Midwestern values, which I loved. Um, but it really needed a shot in the arm, needed some reinvention as 
brands like TurboTax were coming in and, and really rising quickly. Um, my role there was all about how do we reinvent this brand in a way that's really powerful and reminds American taxpayers um, of all the things that we can do through our 12,000 offices and 80,000 tax professionals. Um, mm-hmm. So we launched a couple of campaigns there, probably the most um memorable would be Get Your Billions Back, mm-hmm. which played off this great consumer insight that 70% of all Americans love tax season because they end up with a refund. So that mm-hmm. campaign was all about celebrating the season and also did really, really well for the company. That And that brings me to Massage Envy. So I left, um, I left H&R Block in early 2018 and came here. Uh, so left Kansas City and came to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a bit of a, a culture shock. Um, but it's been wonderful. So here I am with this amazing brand. Um, you know, we're number one in massage. We're number one in skincare services. We're number one in stretch services. And yet we were not talking about it. Um, so it was a great growing brand that we had done very little um, to, to tell the world about the benefits of massage and skincare. So that is my newest challenge. What I love, the words, I don't know, Catherine, I'm sure you've you heard them too, but those words results and brand. Like, <laughs> Kathy, you, you, mm. you get right to the crux of it right there, right? Yeah. I mean, none of what you've done has not been without, has been with, not been without major uh, yeah. awareness for how it needs to drive not just brand, but business growth, which is, which yeah. is so key right now for any marketer. Exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you've been there, there for a year. Maybe you can just talk yeah. a little bit about the brief that you had and whether yeah. growth was a big part of that or is that what you brought to it? Um, and sort of what, what happened on day one that you really had to, to get your arms around? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and I think part of the reason Joe Magnaca is our CEO and he will say that he always remembers this from my first interview with him. And that is, I still do believe in the magic of marketing and and the big idea. And I felt like this brand had so much opportunity um, and and we could really put ourselves on the map in a, in a fresh new way, but we just, we had not really um, taken a look at the category and fully understood how big self-care is right now. Um, everybody is talking about, you know, their workout routines and the diets that they're on and how much sleep they get at night. But nobody was talking about massage. Nobody was talking about, oh, I love getting facials. Um, so that was sort of my challenge. I, I immediately thought, all right, how do we put this on the map in the same way? How do I get, um, you know, whether it's a millennial or it doesn't really matter if it's a if it's a millennial or a Gen Z or whoever, but how do I get them talking about or posting about on Instagram uh, the benefits of massage? Um, so we went through our agency is Fallon, our creative agency out of Minneapolis. And so my first week on the job, um, I, I brought them in. And I knew that I had worked with them before, twice before, actually. Um, and I knew that they were the partners I needed to kind of elevate this idea of um, the benefits of this great category and come up with a compelling way to tell our story as the leaders in the category. So um, we did a great deal of research. And the biggest consumer insight that came out of all that work was that we need our challenge um, is to normalize massage. 
And if you think about it, most people look at massage and say, oh, that's for special occasions, or I'm going to give my wife a massage gift card for her anniversary or anniversary or her birthday or Valentine's Day. Very context um, or specific. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it was a, an indulgence more than anything special. Right. Exactly. Right. It was an indulgence. And most people think, you know, it's, it's fairly expensive. It's not, you know, it's something that I should treat myself with. Or um, I'm an athlete and I have some sort of an injury. Therefore, I get, you know, massage on occasion. So what we have done, we've launched a campaign. We launched it just a couple of months ago. And the tagline is keep your body working. And the idea is, well, first of all, just the word keep suggests that it's something you do over and over, right? It's more of a routine. Um, but the idea is, again, just as you are clocking the hours that you sleep and, and getting on the scale and going to the gym, you should be getting regular massage. Uh, there are so many, obviously, physical benefits, but there are also emotional benefits and mental benefits. Um, so we're just starting to tell that story. Mm-hmm. How did you go about the research? Um, you know, obviously you, you could have launched and had your own ideas about it, but but clearly yeah. started by asking your audiences yeah. what they thought. What what kind of an approach yeah. did you take to that? Okay, you will love this because <laughs> it was <laughs> it was amazing. Um, we went to three different major markets, um, and what we did was we went in people's homes and did friend groups. Mm. So um, we asked uh, women and men to bring in a number of friends into their home, people who either did get massages or facials, or they were very focused on self-care in other ways. So they went to the gym, they ate healthy, whatever. Um, And we did these friend groups and they all had major homework assignments ahead of time. And it was the most emotional thing I've ever sat through in my life because part of the, the homework that we gave them ahead of time, we asked them to diagram, um, if you will, kind of where their priorities are um, around family, around work, mm. around you know raising kids. And what we saw was over and over, especially women, but men too, um, how little time people say for themselves. For themselves. Yeah. And it was, all, I mean, I remember one woman who was lo- looking at her pie chart and she said, well, 50% of my time goes to my kids. She said 25% goes to my parents because they need a lot of help. 25% goes to my husband and then 25% goes yeah, to my right. job. And we're like, okay, you just went Hang over 100%. Second, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of like, she goes, oh, you're right, I did. And so, but that was just funny because it mm-hmm. made such a statement about, you know, um, Really, she had absolutely no time left for herself, and it was almost this kind of strange awakening for people when they when they stopped and thought about it. When they were forced to think about it, they realized, "Oh my gosh, I do so little for myself," um, and yet they all know that there are benefits. Whether it's massage, whether it's getting skincare treatments, they know there are benefits. They just are not taking advantage of them. I will tell you another um, one was in a men's group. This was in Minneapolis. I will never forget this. Um, this man was the CEO of a mid-sized company, and he literally got teary-eyed when he talked about it. He said, my whole life uh, was about my work, and he said, I would write checks to my wife and kids and you know, give them money, and I'd go to work, and I did nothing for myself. Mm. He said, I became overweight. Um, I became really, really unhappy, and he said, and ultimately, I ended up divorced. And he mm-hmm. said, and I just had to reset my entire life. And he said, so now he said, I get massages once every other week. I go to the gym every other morning. 
I sleep seven hours a night, you know, and he said, I literally had to reset my entire life because I realized I was killing myself and making my family very unhappy. So the research itself was just just unbelievably um, empowering. Revealing, too. Yeah, Yeah. it was so revealing. Um, And it just really kind of gave us that hook we needed. And that's where, like I said, the keep your body working came from. So there's so many things that I heard. I was just going to say, Jenny, there's just so many things that I heard in that in terms of, first of all, the context of the research, which was in their homes. So rather than being in a hotel break room or something like that, that already that was a a comfort zone, but a context about talking about the second, how emotional it is. And, you know, all the research we know now that, you know, decision making for all of us is so much more emotional than it is. um, analytical and mm-hmm. the essential truth and that you were there personally. So this isn't something that the agency came in with or the research company right. came with and presented to you. You experienced it and you yeah. were part of it so that you, I can just hear in your voice how much you own what those insights were and, and who your audience is. Absolutely. Yeah. Super. Cool. I needed to so, learn right out of the gates. You know, I wanted to yeah. learn everything I possibly could. Right. Yeah. Um, so you said you're the number, you're the biggest um, massage company yeah. in in the nation. So is that by number of because um, you have physical, you have storefronts, right? You have franchises essentially right. Th- right. throughout the country. Are you in all fifty states, or sort of what's yeah, well, your what's your map there? Right. Well, what makes us largest is yeah, we're in forty nine states. We're not in Wyoming yet, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and you know I think what makes us largest is that we have thirty five thousand licensed massage therapist, which is more, you know, more than double what anybody else, any of our competitors have. Uh, We have over, I think, 1.5 million members across the country. Um, I know we've we've performed over 135 million services. I think one of the the stats that I love is we do 50,000 massages every day. Whoa. Mm. Amazing. Which just seems crazy. And then we have about 1,200 locations. Yep. So all those things combined. Yeah, so let's talk about it. I mean, every company has its own share of issues to deal with, and certainly Massage Envy has, has had its share, um, yep. you know, and it, and that is in the form of, you know, um, uh, issues with alleged misconduct at some of those right. some of those locations. You knew that coming in, obviously, and, yep. and you know, that's certainly, that is a, that is a, a, a PR issue. It's certainly a, a something that needs to be addressed. Right. Um, how did you feel like you needed to address that, you know, and and certainly, especially as being a CMO of, of a franchised entity, right. you know, a company with franchises where where sort of direct control, if you will, is it yeah. can be limited. So talk a little bit about that, especially for any listeners who might be, you know, dealing with similar challenges um, yeah. that can, can create problems for the brand. Yeah, it's it's a great question. And, and there's so much to it. So, yes, when I was interviewing, I was very aware of the headlines of um, allegations of sexual misconduct in some of our locations. And I, I will give um, my CEO and the rest of the leadership team a lot of credit because most of this was in place when I came on board. Now, they did ask me about it very specifically when I was interviewing. And, and Jenny, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was at H&R Block, we dealt with a bit of a crisis mm-hmm. in terms of um, – then presidential candidate Donald Trump was calling us out by name, saying he was going to put H&R Block out of business, that he was going to simplify the tax code to you know the point of nobody will need H&R Block. And he said that over 100 times in his campaigning. And so dealing with that was probably a good setup for this. Uh-huh. 
um, you know, just learning how to handle handle the media, of course, deal with the issues, and then really um, advance and protect the brand at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Massage Envy, like I said, a great deal had already been done, and the work has been uh, phenomenal. But it's mm-hmm. what's different is this is not a brand issue; it's a category issue, and. Mm-hmm. Because we are the biggest, we're probably in the headlines more than our competitors. Um, sure. But we yeah. have also taken our leadership position very seriously mm. here and, and started to set examples for the industry. So we yeah. have done things like we have really upped um, the um, intensity of our background checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, I mean, we do, I, I think we've done. 40,000 background checks in the last year. Um, we partnered with RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network, um, and they are the, I mean, the, the leaders in this area. We have hired a, um, a forensic psychologist. Um, his name is Dr. Michael Fogel. He is one of the most highly accredited um, psychologists, so he has helped us with this as well. We have all sorts of new measures in place. We have introduced a client bill of rights. Um, we, uh, we, we're really taking the lead on this. We take every report of any sort of incident very, very seriously. Every one of our franchisees goes through um, some very uh, rigorous training. Every one of our front desk associates goes through training. Um, so we have done all this. Rain did a full um, analysis of all of our policies and procedures. They had a couple of recommendations for us. We took those very seriously. So our hope is that that we really are taking the leadership stance and we're leading the industry in, um, in, in making every client's experience a safer one. I think that's so important, you know, and I, that's, I mean, that's the sign of a good leader because you do recognize the position you have, the influence you have, frankly, that platform of being number one and how you do have the visibility. But that's the visibility that can help affect affect change for the industry at large. And I think, um, you know, I mean, that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening, you know, about uh, every brand's going to run into to problems. You know, every company is going to have its share of things that need to be dealt with and how you deal with it as a CMO, that's where you're really tested, right? And, um, you know, and I know having that be acknowledging that we live in such an age of transparency and, and, you know, access that to not address that um, head on is is a a disservice to the company, really. So, um, yeah, Catherine, I know you've heard that too from other leading CMOs who, you know, who recognize that that position that they must necessarily take. So, um, absolutely. But I know that the new campaign was really born out of the spirit of like the, the newness, right, and the forward where you're moving. And I think that mm-hmm. broke in January, right? Wasn't that? Right. A, that's right, middle of January. Yep. Right yep. in the middle of January. And one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, you have a history of obviously TV is a really important medium. You know, some some might say TV is dead, but you have found true value in using TV as a medium for getting these messages across, you know, and and telling the brand story. Do you want to talk a little bit about sort of your media mix and how you've sort of regarded as you move forward and as you sort of, um, whether it be direct contact with with customers through social media, you know, or through um, your loyalty program or through big mass brand media, how are you sort of looking at how you're connecting with and communicating with your customers around all these issues? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first of all, I don't think TV is dead. You're right. And like I said earlier, I still believe in kind of the idea, the big idea for brands. 
And I believe, you know, in, in relaunches of brands or um, any sort of disruptive campaign idea, I think TV is still a really, really important channel. Um, I know people are watching TV differently, but at the same time, they're still taking in the same or taking in even more messages um, through whether they're watching it streaming, whether they're watching it live. Um, so I think it's it's still a critical part of most brand uh, media mixes and definitely this one. Um, now, what we have seen, though, is as we move into skincare, and skincare is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our business, um, and I think women especially, but even men are starting to really appreciate the benefits of, of having regular facials. And we're seeing that that's our biggest area of growth right now. But that is a different consumer than the massage consumer. So whereas TV is really, really powerful with our massage consumer and our stress consumer, skincare is a little bit different. Um, we tend to reach them more directly through other channels, mostly uh, digital and social. So we really have altered our mix as we start to move into more messaging around um, around skincare. I so, wonder so why our, that is. What is the, what is the nature of skincare yeah. that is different? From, oh. There is a feeling that it's a little more intimate and relatable for women um, when they can either hear other women um, talk about it through social influencers, that sort of thing. Every woman is looking for somebody who's got her skin type and who can give her advice. Um, or the same skin issues that she does. And that seems to be more credible when you are getting it through an influencer or through social media, somebody that you know, or somebody that a friend knows, um, or a celebrity. Um, so, you know, there are so many examples of this with celebrity. Um, we, we have partnered with both some great brands, including Obagi and Jan Marini. Um, and Obagi just announced their partnership with Priyanka Chopra. Jonas, mm -hmm. I think that's how, yeah, that's yeah. Full, her full name. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, right off the bat, we have clients coming in who are asking about our Obagi facials. Uh, so there is, there's something about it that's a little bit different. And they have gone, uh, Obagi has really promoted her through social channels. Um, so there is, if there is something about, I want to find somebody who understands, you know, this wrinkle here or my monthly breakouts or whatever it is, I want somebody to tell me exactly how to handle this as opposed to, you know, everybody should get a massage. <laughs> so yeah. uh, people are looking for more intimate and more, I guess, more intimate connections. Personalized, and perhaps? More personalized, personalized and, customized? And professional counsel, mm -hmm. yes, exactly. So yeah, because it almost gets be in the area of almost not medical, but there's just a there is a true like customization component with skincare. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that we have heard as we increase the number of, of licensed estheticians in our network is, I think this is really interesting. Um, there is a shortage of dermatologists in this country. Um, and so when people have a hard time finding, getting into a dermatologist, a lot of times they will come to an esthetician. Um, and so they, when you uh, say it's almost medical, you're exactly right. It's they think about it clinically. Like I mm -hmm. need to go and I need to have uh, an esthetician help me with my new regimen. So, uh, and it is very customized. It's very personalized and, and people are really looking for that connection. 
One of the things I wanted to... Oh, go ahead, Catherine. I'm yeah, so no, 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 not at all. One of the things I wanted to just ask about in, in that regard is, you know, there's a lot of conversation around customer centricity and moving away from, you know, f- clear focus on product, 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 and, and that kind of profitability over toward really understanding what the customer is all about from a holistic perspective. And certainly your business lends itself to that. You mentioned um, earlier about the customer bill of rights relative uh-huh. to the massage and also this element um, from the facials of customization. H- how do you think about customer centricity as a marketer? Yeah, um, I think it's so important. And and this whole idea of personalization is becoming more and more critically important in our business. Uh, and that's why we put so much faith and so much trust in our, uh, our estheticians and our, our massage therapists because every Every single client that walks in the door has a conversation first. Here are my issues. Mm-hmm. Here's what hurts in my back. Here's the kind of massage I like. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want you to work my glutes. I do want you to work on my glutes. Mm-hmm. Don't touch. You know, there's right. certain parts. I, I'm ticklish feet. I don't. Yep. So the, all of that information is captured by the therapist or the esthetician. And so every time that client comes through the door, um, you know, it is it's right there in front of them. So the the experience has to be right for every single consumer who comes in the door, whether they're a longtime member or a first time guest. We want to make sure that we never, ever disappoint. So that experience is the most important thing. And it's how people view our brand. Mm. Um, And that's why they come back. We have a very high retention rate. And I have heard consumers say I've, I've heard our members say, you know, I go back. Uh, I go back to Jenny because she knows exactly what I need. Um, she understands me, and we don't mm-hmm. have to start all over every time I walk in the door. And that's really important. But you know, it's so funny because it is about product. I mean, it's about both. Like you, as a CMO, yeah. you have to be involved in the conversations around the product because that is the experience. You know, it's it's in that customization yeah. of product that the you know, that the customer is put first. I mean, and that's what's just, they're so intertwined. It's just listening to you talk that through. It's, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. We have one, Um, we have time for just one more question. Um, Unfortunately, we're almost out of time, but I, just to kind of end, I know time flies when when we're having a great discussion, Um, but just maybe just end on the, uh, something for all of our listeners. What are the challenges that you're thinking of over the next, you know, long-term six to 12 months? I'm kidding, but things are moving so quickly, but, but what challenges are you thinking about and, and how are you um, considering them? And can I just add any, any specifically any also um, investment areas, whether it be technology or otherwise, you know, uh, maybe just to add to that question about future, future focus. That's a great question. Since I just announced the reorganization of my team yesterday, wow. <laughs> we are yes, we're definitely putting more focus in two areas. One being technology and marketing, which um, we have just recently launched a new technology platform here at Massage Envy, and it's not, the opportunities are endless. So, really, what I want to do is start to put a new focus on the client experience. You know, the journey, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but everything that our members and guests do before they get to our locations is digital. Um, so we need to improve that that experience um, tremendously, and I think that will be a big focus of ours. I know that will be a big focus of ours in the next um, year. 
something else that is on my mind is, you know, Massage Envy is such a strong brand, has such a great name, but it doesn't say skincare in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are still so many, uh, you know, probably half of the country who still is not aware that we offer skincare services and have mm-hmm. these, have partnered with these wonderful brands. So it's how do we start to build the brand beyond massage uh, and really start to tell that skincare story in a compelling way. Uh, what we were just talking about with personalization and customization being so critically important to that. Um, and we will be introducing other new partnerships um, on the skincare side that will actually bring in a whole new segment of consumers. I can't talk about that one yet, but it's coming soon. Um, so it's really, you know, building skincare. I will, everything I do is focused on safety, again, making sure that every customer experience uh, experiences a, a safe massage, that everybody feels comfortable at all times, and they want to keep coming back to Massage Envy. So those are kind of my big areas. That'll keep you busy, it seems like. That'll, for the next, for the, so. that'll, that'll keep so. you busy. Go get a job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and a great opportunity for you to come back and talk with us in, in uh, six, great. eight months to see how things are coming along, especially with, uh, with some new emphasis on, on those sorts of things. Kathy Collins is the Chief Marketing Officer for Massage Envy. Kathy, so much for being with us today. Thank you, Thanks, both. Kathy. It's been a pleasure. Right, talk soon. Bye-bye. Next up, we'll be talking with Jeff Weiser. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Shopify. Stay tuned. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 